Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Right, it's great to be here. I, I come here. I, I'm standing next to George just now. In about, I don't know, here about two months ago, George seems to have grown about another three foot or something. At least his knuckles aren't rubbing on the floor yet, which is what I was worrying about. That's a, no, no, it's well, lovely to come. I've had a really good week seeing different groups of you or whatever. Right. Um, ben wanted me to talk about running uh, in serving one another. So uh, I've, I've entitled this Running with the Energy God Supplies because it comes from a quote from Paul there. Paul in 1 Colossians 1 that says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So he's, I'm toiling, I'm working, and I'm really struggling, but I'm doing so with the energy that he powerfully works in me. And I really want to get this through to you, and I want the Holy Spirit to actually help us. <laughs> but God doesn't want us to do anything without his energy supplying it for us. And uh, Lord, I just pray, Lord, would you, Holy Spirit, would you give us a revelation of who Jesus is today as we just talk? As I talk, I want to serve folks well, Lord. We need your help in that. But I ask for a revelation to come. People see you in a different light. Please, Lord. Amen. Well, there was a big, uh, there was a big argument kicking off with the disciples one day. And uh, the reason being that James and John had privately got aside with Jesus and said, Look, you know, when you come in your glory, can I sit on your right side and can James sit on your left side? And um, <laughs> the disciples were not very happy about this. You know, cheek. And, and he says this to them. When the ten other disciples... Oh, I've got to do this tonight. Is that right? Oh, yeah. When the ten other disciples heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, Look, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever will be great among you must be your servant. Whoever will be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think that many people have got a wrong idea about being a Christian, haven't they? They recognize that Jesus is a great moral teacher with you know, great precepts to live by. And therefore they think to live a Christian life, I've got to or be a Christian, I've got to live a really superb, perfect life almost, but good enough for me to get into heaven. And in our reading here, Jesus is actually trying to get the disciples to understand that to be the greatest, you must be the servant of all. He who will be first must be slave of all. So people think, oh, to be a good Christian, I need to serve him with humility and unselfishly, which is correct. But it's not good news, is it? If you knew to be, be a Christian was you've just got to be very moral and very good, almost perfect, it would not be good news because I don't know how long I could keep it up. Two minutes. Two minutes, two minutes. She knows me well. No, I need more than that. See, I'd, I'd naturally do so much, but I wouldn't know how good or bad I was really doing. I can't live like that, totally, being the slave of all. I need someone with a big S to change my attitude, 
to help me when I'm selfish, which is a lot of the time, and to serve me with his willingness and energy. And because this is where the good news of Jesus changes everything. Look at the last verse, the last lines there. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus wants to serve you today. How would you feel if he said, right, take your shoes and socks off, I want to wash your feet. Peter objected to that. Peter felt embarrassed, felt, no, you shouldn't be doing this. How do you realize Jesus wants to serve you today? Does that sound bad? He's your king, but you say, I come to serve. The only way I get through life, the only way I have any use of Jesus, is I allow him to serve me. How strongly are you trying to run your own life? Carry on if you want. You will run out of steam sometime. Now he says, the Son of Man came to be served, not just to be served, but to serve. So being a Christian is primarily <laughs> not a call to serve Jesus, but to become a Christian, I need to let him serve me. Amen? I've told this story before, but you know, London Zoo, the big gorilla guy, one day he died. And, oh dear, he was one of the biggest attractions at London Zoo. The kids would flock in, and it was the summer holidays. So they said to the head keeper, hey, look, we've got a, got a gorilla suit, okay? Would you please put it on? So the, the, the head keeper put the gorilla suit on, and he got quite good at it. And he was swinging around, and the kids came, and they, oh, look at that gorilla. Wow, look at him, scratching swinging around. Anyway, one time the head keeper got a bit too full of himself and he swung, and he swung so high, he went over the fence and landed in the lion's department, lion's cage or whatever. And he thought, oh no. And the biggest lion saw him, thought dinner, I suppose, I don't know. But this lion started to chase him. And Guy the Gorilla, but really the, the keeper, was going, help me, help me, help me. And the lion jumped on him and pinned him down with his big teeth. And the lion said, shut up or you'll get both of us the sack. <laughs> now I say that because it's probably the only thing you'll remember in my sermon. But being a Christian, you, can't, you don't put on Christian clothes. But that's what a lot of the world think. Oh, to be a Christian, I've got to love my nature, to a neighbor, I've got to be good. I've got to, that's trying to put clothes on the outside, what you're not inside. And being a Christian is Jesus serving us by being a ransom for us, by changing us from inside. Yes? So when we put our faith in Jesus, actually, we become born again. He does a work inside. And then we begin to display that by how we live. That's what sets us apart from every other religion. And the offense of the gospel, it offends people, is that you can do nothing to save yourself. We have to look to another because we are sinful. Therefore, we can't be a sin offering because we deserve to be punished. <laughs> Jesus is saying here, I have come to serve. 
and I will serve for eternity. In fact, we are upheld by his words serving us. Uh, the word ransom, by the way, um, if I can get this going. Ah, uh, the Greek is lutron. It means a payment to release a person from some kind of bondage, prisoner of war, slavery, or debt. Jesus has declared that his death is a ransom. It's a payment to release many of us from bondage, those who want to. He's paying what we cannot pay so that we can go free. That's a relief, isn't it? He is substituting himself for me. Even if you don't do anything else today, when you go home, say, Jesus, you substituted yourself for me. That's amazing, isn't it? What a best service. The best service he could ever do is that, of course. At the cost of his life, you got freedom. Wow. Of course, what are we bondage to? Perhaps we need to quickly just say this. <laughs> Jesus says this. Everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. Wow. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we need to get it clear that by nature we are sinful. It's not what I do that makes me a sinner. It's because I'm a sinner I do the things I do. So we need to be saved from the punishment of being this sinner, this person that's uh, 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 kind of rebellious to God, actually. In fact, the payment should be this. Paul says the wages of sin is death. That's what we're due. We work hard all our life to be sinful. <laughs> Jesus said those, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. By the way, the righteous there aren't perfect people in their own rights. They are those who have the righteousness of Christ given to them as a gift. Isn't that glorious? Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Wow. So we need to realize, and even as we get into the talk here, that he served us by being a ransom. Okay? And that is because God is a loving God. God is not a, a wrathful God. Here it says here, on the day of wrath. It talks about a day of wrath. God's day. God is not a wrathful God. His attributes, God is love. God is pure. God is just. God's wrath is only there where sin is, where evil is. So God's wrath is his response to a glorious universe. It's his response to sin and injustice. Yeah? So God is, has to judge, will judge. But he's a loving, pure God. Now, some people don't like the idea of God being a judge, do they? <laughs> Packer says this, Would a God who didn't care about the difference between right and wrong be a good and admirable being? Moral indifference would be an imperfection in God, not a perfection. But not to judge the world would be to show moral indifference. The final proof that God is a perfect moral being, not indifferent to questions of right and wrong, is the fact that he has committed himself to judge the world. So we know that that's what we're enslaved to. Our selfish nature, our wants, our wishes, sin, independence from God. Who can help us then? Well, how can I be saved from judgment if I can't pay the debt I owe? 
then who can? And Paul, in that same reading we I read just now, for the wages of sin is death, goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How much does it cost, Sue? How much does that gift cost? Nothing. It's free, but it's a gift. And that offends people. So, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, not our works, not by being good, not by, being, not by putting the gorilla's clothes on, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God, which I've just mentioned. For if while we were enemies, we were then reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Wow. You now belong to him. He purchased you. He ransomed you by his blood. So when you put your faith in him, you are saying, I'm, I want that. I'm banking on you. I'm relying on you. I'm putting my faith in you. So, Clement, you belong to Jesus now. Good news, isn't it? Satan would like you, but he can't have you. Hands off, says Jesus. Yeah? Isn't it wonderful? Even if you're a naughty boy, his blood will cover you. What a relief. We, we of all people should be the most joyful people in the world, even though we have to go through so much difficulty in this life, because we are safe. We belong to him. I, I'm his. And he'll put me through stuff to make me even a better his, but I'm his. He is mine I am his forever. Can you say that? He is mine. I am his forever. Wow. (laughs) John Piper says this. Why do we need to be ransomed? This is why becoming a Christian is a humbling thing. We admit that we need help. And we turn to Christ and say, I can't be or do what I know I'm supposed to be and do. I'm desperate. I need something way beyond what is inside of me or in any other ordinary person, I need you. I turn to you. I have nothing to offer in trade or purchase. I trust you to show me mercy. I trust you to be my servant. Now, when we do that, when we submit to him in that way, Christ becomes our servant. And when he does, all of his other radical commands are no longer things we do for him, but things he enables us to do for others. It's quite deep, this, but it's important. I'll say that again. When he becomes our servant, all of his other radical commands, which we looked just at the beginning, we'll look again in a minute, are no longer things we do for him, but are things he enables us to do for others. The Christian life is a life of serving others in the strength that he supplies as our servant. Wow. Wow. It's loving others with the love he gives us as our servant. It is sacrificing and suffering with the hope and joy and patience that he gives us as our servant. Christian living is walking in the shadow of our servant king. It's making sure that we stay in the path where he loves to serve his people, the path of faith and love. Now, I know you say, well, hold on. Aren't we meant to be his servants? Well, 
Yes, of course we are. Jesus said, truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now, <laughs> he wants us to be servants in the sense that we're not trying to fill up something he hasn't got. So I'll explain in a minute. He wants us to serve because we want to love and obey him. So we're serving out of obedience of him. But he doesn't need our service. Do you understand? He doesn't need anything. Paul says this. Uh, I think he's in Ephesus at the time. He's talking to a lot of uh, non There's a lot of gods around, idols. And he starts to talk about the unknown God, which is obviously he's moving it towards our God. <laughs> Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Paul calls him, the Apostle Paul calls himself the servant of Jesus Christ. It's not a contradiction. It's a term servant being used in two different ways here. Yes, we're servants of Jesus in that we belong to him now. We've been bought by his blood. Wow. And we submit to his authority. And he has a right to tell us to do whatever he pleases. But it's always from love, of course. But we're not his servants in the sense that he needs our help. <laughs> That his gospel and his, his church need our energy to be sustained, to grow. He sustains all things. In other words, God doesn't want to be served in any way that implies we're supplying his need. Or supporting him. Or offering him something that he doesn't already own by right. <laughs> Piper also writes this. <laughs> in other words, if you want what Jesus has to give, you can't buy it. You can't trade for it. You can't work for it. He already owns your money, everything you have. And when you work, it's only because he's given you life and breath and everything. All we can do is submit to his spectacular offer to be our servant, with a capital S. And this submission is called faith. A willingness to let him be God in our lives. Trust him to be the supplier, the strengthener, the counsellor the guide, the saviour, and being satisfied with that, with all that God is for us in Jesus. That's what faith is, and having that is what it means to be a Christian. So if he's my provider, he's serving me with provision. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> if he's my healer, he's serving me with healing power. Yes? If he's my guide, he's serving me by giving me direction. We often don't see it like this. But it begins to become quite personal and faith-building when you realize that Jesus, for you, wants to serve you. Wants to wash your feet. Oh, no, you can't do that, says Peter. Oh, then Jesus says, I'll have nothing to do with you then. Oh, well, wash all of me. Oh, come on, Peter. People with dirty feet just need their feet to be washed. <laughs> and I want you to get this because it just helps you in your serving to realize that, that Jesus wants to serve you in your serving. Wow. And as we do that, we're his friends. So I serve Jesus by obeying him. But I realize by serving Jesus, every time I go to serve him and love him, he says, serve those people. Oh, all right. Give that to someone. Oh, all right, okay. <laughs> Greater love is no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known, made known to you. Are you a friend of Jesus? You go embarrassed, it comes. I tell you, if he came in that room now, he would look at the lowliest of us, the most ignorant of us, Skip, and... <laughs> <laughs> I jest. No, he would come in and he would say, Gillian. And you'd be thinking, crumbs. You think, you're my friend, Gillian. You put your faith in me. You let me serve you. You let me serve you in saving you. Do you understand that? It does you good, doesn't it? Wow. And that's, if we can see this more and more, it means we're not miserable all the time. It means we're actually good witnesses of a wonderful saviour. Wow. Here he's not saying, look at this, he's not saying, this is how you become my friend. That's what the world would say. Oh, look, you'll be your friend if you do as you're told, if, if you do as you're commanded. That's not actually what he's implying here. In, in, if you look at the whole passage here, he's not saying that's how you become my friend. He's saying... This is how you show you're my friend. Do you understand? Or what else can I say? Uh, this is the way you will act when you are my friend. This is evidence that you're my friend. Do you understand? So Jesus, it's a promise almost. You're my friends if you do what I command you. Loving one another. Wow. So Jesus didn't come in search of slaves or servants. He doesn't need help like that. He doesn't need support, doesn't need anything. He came in search for those who would be his friends, for those who would be humble enough to trust him to provide all that they need. Wow. It's a faith. Are we going to get enough money this month? I've got to go again. I've got to serve. I've got the kids to bring up. He said, I want you to trust me to give you, to serve you in what you need, daily, in the mission I'm calling you to. He's called us to plant a church in Blackpool, which we've begun. And slowly but surely, God is beginning to gather us together. Wonderful. And I think when we see that, what that will be is Jesus saying, if you want to serve me, obey me and serve one another. Obviously, we know this very well. A new commandment I give to you. You love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. It's by this that all people will know you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. So he's calling us to obey him by serving others. I think you've got that, haven't you? And he's calling us to do that in the strength that he provides. As he serves us in us. So he commands us to love one another in this room. He's commanding us to love one another. Now, how can you love one another? Well, obviously, you've got to be with one another. You've got to understand one another. And as you do that, you begin to say, can I help you in certain ways? Can I encourage you? Can I be there for you? Can I give you some food? Can, all sorts of ways we might do it. But that's, by the way, that's why Wednesday night is important. You see, when I came on Wednesday... It's lovely to be able to pray for one another. 
There's people in this church you might not know. You go on a Wednesday, you, you get to know them bit by bit. But also you think, that sister could do with some support here. Wow, I, I, need to, I need to make this a priority somewhere. In the early church, of course, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's preaching, obviously. To prayer, to breaking of bread, and to, it says, the fellowship. And it's not just fellowship, oh, hello, how are you? It's they, they devoted themselves to being with each other. You know, it was almost like I've got to, it won't happen unless I get there. I always feel about Thomas. What was he doing? What was he doing when Jesus rose from the dead? Where was it? Why wasn't he there? He thought, well, I'll have the Wednesday night off and watch Spurs lose again. <laughs> oh, I've had a busy day. I'm so tired. Well, we all get tired of having a busy day. I find I go to home group and I'm sometimes quite knackered or tired. And, and, and uh, I find at the end of the evening I'm more alive than I was when I started. But because I've gone there with saying, Lord, it's not for me. I want to go and serve my brothers and sisters. And I suddenly find he's serving me in serving my brothers and sisters. It's faith. And I, as I do that, I think, well, I feel more alive. Could I just take it on at the end of the evening? So, it, it, anyway, um, we, know, we know well, as I've preached this before, but Peter said, you know, three times, he said, I love you. The barbecue on the beach, and, and Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And, and he's offering three times to say he loved him. Why? Because he denied him three times, yes? And every time Jesus, or Peter denied Jesus, Jesus is giving Peter an opportunity to say, I love you. But look what he says about loving him. It's not saying, love him, serve, meet my need of your friendship, Peter. Need my, Jesus got no needs. He said, oh, you love me, yeah. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Oh, feed my lambs. There we are. Tend, tend my sheep. I mean, take care of in every sort of way. Not just put food or get grass for them. In other words, Jesus was saying, if you love me, love is a doing word. It's not an intentional word. There's some people who say, oh, I... I'll intend to go to home group on Wednesday. Well, don't intend to go. Just get there. <laughs> I tend to go on Sunday to church. Get there. <laughs> I mean, uh, and you might need God's grace and his presence and his serving of you to get you there, but get there. <laughs> if Jesus is my friend, I'm going to learn to know what he loves, what blesses him. And I find he actually blesses the people in this room. These are his brothers. That's what he's talking about. He's not actually in that, that instance, that other verse, talking about the world, which is important to us as well. That's another matter. But most and primarily, he's talking about loving my brethren, loving one another. Here he's talking about loving the sheep, the lambs, God's people. He's saying that. Now, I know some of you can't make um, Wednesdays because of work commitments, whatever. But if you can, don't make the excuse. Get to your brothers and sisters. We need you, don't we? We need you. Just to be there would encourage me. Not that I'm here because I'm at Taunton most of the time. But, but I go to my home group every week because I, I just want to go and bless them. And I find they bless me back. And I find Jesus serves me as I serve them. <laughs> there we are. We're called to serve our brothers and sisters. But not in our own energy. I'm called to serve you by the one who serves me. That sounded good. 
Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When do we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison or visit you? You know, the early church, we don't get many people of our Christians put in prison at the moment, do we? But we might find, as time goes on, but we would visit them, wouldn't we? If you're in prison, I'll come and see you, Ben. Okay. The king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Therefore, what we need to understand, okay, the little one, what we need to understand, this church is going to grow as we love one another because the non-Christians, the unsaved, will see what this love is all about and will want to come and meet Jesus, all right? So we need to step out. Nearly finished. I'll only know the servanthood of Jesus to me, his servant to me, when I step out. So when you stepped out with the receptionist, you knew nothing you had could offer any good, but you knew if Jesus would serve you as you served her, something would happen. Jesus says that when you pray for someone, the kingdom of heaven is come near them. But you were... He was serving you as you served them. Lovely, isn't it? It's so simple. But when we do that, when we talk to people or pray for them, we need to say, I need you, Lord, to serve me as I serve them. All sorts of things are going on around us. There's no bombs dropping, which is good. When they fed the 5,000, it, it was only when they kind of said, okay, have some bread, suddenly the multiplication happened. Didn't think, oh, I've got all this... Now, as they did it, so God, or Jesus there, served them in terms of a miraculous fish. What about the woman's cruise of oil? Do you remember when she poured it? I don't know if you know the old term. As she poured it, oh, oh, <laughs> any more? It's as we do this, we step out in faith to obey Jesus. He becomes our servant. He's not our servant to meet our very needs. I want a million pounds. I want to... Porsche, I want this. Well, he won't serve you in that at all. But in obeying him, he will serve you every day, every moment of the day. What about the lepers? What about the guy with the mud when Jesus goes and puts mud on his face? Still not healed. As he goes to wash his face, he must have been thinking, oh, I hope this works. But as he goes, and then he puts the water on his face, so Jesus serves him in healing. It's only as we step out in faith, however timorous we are, that he becomes our servant. And that's why at the beginning, right at the beginning, I did this verse. Paul says, for this I toil, struggling with all the energy that powerfully worked with him. If I wait until I've got it, it won't be provided. So if I'm going to pray for healing for someone, I don't say, I'm waiting for the healing gift to come on me. Oh, oh, I've got a healing gift. Hello. Just go and dump it on you, wallop. No, it's only as I step out that I feel the healing gift coming. So let's get on the last stretch there. So his command to us today, if you love me, it's important. I want you to love one another as you love me. Your 
Obedience is your obedience to a call to love others. Okay? So I would put this before you that Ben wants us as a church, he's put this to run. I've got it down here, quite nice. Here it is. And he, he, the whole series is run, but he's saying, I want as a church us to run selflessly. That means to think of others. To run spurring on others. So by your being loving and, and a blessing actually helps others keep going for God, but also to use your gifts for the good of others. It was lovely to see Tommy singing today, David playing the, uh, con, uh, the cajon. You know, they're saying, we, we've got a little gift, we don't know how good it is, but we we'll want to give it. But it's great, wasn't it? It costs, though, doesn't it? Go get here early for a start. That's not easy. But, uh, you know, they're serving. But I see all sorts of people gifts serving. Who's doing the words today on the music? Who was doing the words on the music today? Who? Well, I'm right now, I couldn't do that. I'd be so much worshipping. I've got all the wrong words. But that's great. Thanks for doing that. But it's all these little things. What about those out there at the moment? Doing the kids' work. Marv, don't you think? If you want to know who's, who's the greatest in the morning this morning, it's not Ben. Uh, I think Ben, Skip and Julie were great, but I think they are serving with the kids out there. I think, aren't they the greatest? It's all upside down, but I'm just praying they keep serving with the, 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 the grace and the servanthood of Jesus as they do that, and it will be fine. So to conclude, ha! I think Ben would say, could you make fellowshipping, being together, a priority? If you can somehow in your diary say, I'm going to get a Wednesday, but I might need a lift, or I'm going to get a Wednesday, I'm going to get there to my brothers and sisters. So I'm going to meet on a Sunday. And some people, if you've only come here like three out of four, two out of four, you're not going to be able to know enough about people to help pray for them and build them up. But look at all those things. This in the New Testament says, hey, Jesus says, love one another like this. Spur one another to love and good works. That means, come on, guys. Encourage one another, build each other up. Well, that's important. So, a lot of us have a tough old week. Teach and admonish each other. That means, doesn't mean you're kind of preaching on from the front, but hey, doesn't the Bible say this? I've read this verse. This could be good. Hey, come on. What about the next one? Be at peace with one another. Well, you're going to be at peace with one another if you don't live with one another or don't see each other. I mean, I'm very peaceful with people I don't know very well. Serve one another. Submit to one another. Bear with one another. You have to dumb, you've had to do that this week with me, haven't you? Bear with me, yeah. Live in harmony with one another. Be compassionate. Be devoted to one another. Honour each other. Love each other as I loved you. Share with one another. Bearing with one another. Be humble, gentle and patient. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other. Well, I don't have to forgive you if I'm never next to you or never see you. You know? Confess your sins to one another. Wow, that is, that's quite deep. So you really need someone if you've got to there. Offer hospitality to one another. Carry each other's burdens. So what I'm trying to say today, quite clearly, Jesus wants to serve you. Is he serving you at the moment? Or is he not serving you because you're not actually loving others? You're not expressing your love to him by caring for brothers and sisters. And I feel what the Lord would say is... Could you look at your diary and say, can I make a Wednesday 
to be with my brothers and sisters. Can I get to that ladies Bible study so I can just get be with the ladies and we can encourage and help each other? Well, I get to the men's things when they do them. Because it won't just happen. It will be intentional, but it won't be anything that's helpful. It won't be an expression of your obedience to the Lord. My final comment. Oh, yes. By this we know love, that he laid his life down for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And for some of us, it means we've got to lay down the busyness of what we do and make fellowshipping, serving one another, a priority. It won't happen unless you get your diary and say, I'm going to put a little bit of my week aside to make sure I obey that injunction. My brothers and sisters, ow, that's going to cost me. But Lord, you will give me, you will serve me in this, that I can serve my brothers and sisters. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, you're our servant. That's awful for us to say because we know you're our master. <laughs> but we know, Lord, as our master, as our king, who we bow down and honor, you daily want to serve us with healing and sustenance and patience and strength. Lord, Lord and we want to do your work, not because you need us to do it, but we want to serve you and obey you because we love you. And also we want to do it in a way where you can serve us as we serve our brothers and sisters. We want to grow. We want to change and find we have a resource inside us. We have an energy which you richly supply that comes from heaven and allows us to do what we selfishly would never do, but actually selflessly we want to do for you. And I pray, would you make this church a serving church, a joyful church, a church that receives your servanthood and actually is the best servant of all to the kingdom of God. I ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk.